there, pretties. It's Chrissy. And it's Heather. And a really sweet guy with a deep voice to give you a... Uh, oh, yes. Just a quick warning. Yes, the Chrissy and Heather show contains elements of real life, nostalgia, silliness, deep thinking, and nonsense. If you're averse to any of these ingredients, the Chrissy and Heather show may not be for you. So talk to your doctor and all your friends about this program. Let's get into it. Well, hello, Heather. Hey, Chrissy. Did you uh, watch any television this weekend? Have I watched any television this weekend? Been watching any TV lately? (laughs) Just a little. A little bit? (laughs) I made it through the week last week with my kids without really watching any TV because it was our first week of school and we were really, really, really busy. Mm -hmm. But when they went to their dad's last Friday, the TV game got real strong at my house. (laughs) Really strong at my house. I watched um, The Tiger King mm-hmm. with everyone else in mm-hmm. America yeah. and perhaps around the world. I don't know. I don't know where all The Tiger King was, but uh, <laughs> I watched The Tiger King. I watched um, a Ted Bundy biopic. Ooh, I don't think I could watch that. It was um, it's called Falling for a Killer, mm. and it was all from the women's point of view and the women's perspective. And, uh, uh-oh, you have a thought. Well, uh, I've, I've always heard people say that he was so charming and handsome and, you know, just really appealing to women. Yeah. And so that's interesting. I'm always interested in those types of stories when somebody is very persuasive and appealing and then they turn out to be evil. Yeah, and I will tell you, it is interesting because it was mostly about the girl who was, like, his main girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Like, and how many times she thought about turning him in and then was like, it can't be my Ted, you know? And uh, Oh, and, really? And her daughter and her daughter, like, the daughter's memories of him, like, teaching her to ride a bike and stuff. Wow. It was pretty interesting. But it also, it wanted to tell the women's side of the tale, and it ended up weaving in some really interesting social commentary about women's rights at the time and whatnot. Oh. And it really wasn't that long ago. I mean, it, it was really wasn't when I was a baby, you know, like when yeah. I, when I was a little kid, there were women who were like standing in the streets in Seattle, like trying to have the right to you know, some of the same things that we still want the right, right. for equal pay and things like Birth that control like and the ability to work certain places like they interview this woman who was an agent like investigating ted bundy who really wanted to be in the fbi and the fbi came and talked to her whole cohort which she was the only female and he gave everybody applications on their way out the door and he said i'm sorry i can't give you one you know women aren't allowed in the fbi what she did go on to become an fbi agent but it was really, it was interesting, and the woman perspective was, was kind of interesting. So we are going to get into that today. When we get down to the grab bag, okay. we're going to talk about some women's issue things, which I thought would be kind of, I don't know, whatever. It's something to talk about. A nice break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a nice break from <laughs> most of the things that yeah. we're talking about. I also watched a movie this weekend um, called Idiocracy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I saw that you had posted on Facebook about this, and I... Um, started just cracking up laughing because of the same thing that you said. Yeah, I mean, it is... It, Had you seen it before? I saw it when it first came out. Okay. I saw it when it first came out. And what I thought was actually interesting about re-watching it, I mean, some parts of it are... 
It's happening. Uh, I mean, it, the first, the opening scene. The opening scene. So in the opening scene, it's a really, really intelligent couple, like high IQ. IQ is in like the 140s. And then it's a really, really unintelligent couple. And it's comparing and contrasting their rates of reproduction. So there's that. Um, the president of the United States in Idiocracy <laughs> is a former professional wrestler. Um, yeah. The... Um, the amount of prophecy in that film is startling. It, it really, like, if you watch it again, it, it it's pretty clear that there are elements of that film that are really happening. Yeah. So really happening. We're going to talk a little bit today. Um, I mentioned to you off, off the air before we came in here that I wanted to talk a little bit about natural selection today. Mm-hmm. We're going to we're gonna talk about that a little bit. It's going to be a fun day here. It's going to make a lot of sense, I'm sure. R- really cohesive. Um, the other thing that struck me about watching Idiocracy again was how truly far we have come in 10 years Uh in our like slurs against people like we are much nicer now like they said the word faggy at least a hundred times in in this movie and i'm like i haven't heard that word in a long time they used they said retard um a (gasps) lot of times yeah you don't say that we don't say those and i kind of remember like i was like when i was in my early 20s those words were not nice words but they were common use words yeah like you know yeah they um, were they were talking about whether or not the girls were going to put out enough and whatever. Like, I'm like, way before the Me Too. You know wow. what I mean? Way before the Me Too. So it was nice to see some social progress since 2006. I guess it's 13 years, you know, since 2006. Or, yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. It, it was interesting. Uh, I was like, well, I, and I was telling people, go watch this movie. This movie's crazy. And I'm like, I hope that they don't think that, you know, like... <laughs> That's the part of the I tell people to watch that movie often also because I, w- I think that they're going to come away as horrified as I usually. Yeah. Am. I get really, it really puts some thinking into yeah, your brain. It really, it really does. makes you consider some things. Um, let's talk about the coronavirus. <laughs> what a shock. I thought we weren't talking about the coronavirus anymore. I mean, we're watching all this TV because of the coronavirus, right? Yeah. Um, I, there are a couple potential social benefits of what's happening right now. And then I'm going to try to tie this all together. We're going to do our best here and see what happens. I feel like perhaps we are thinking a little bit more critically right now. Mm Mm-hmm. I think perhaps we are thinking a little bit more globally and mm-hmm. more macro mm-hmm. about things right now. I think we are reviewing history more mm-hmm. and looking at things more historically. Maybe we're taking steps away from idiocracy. Maybe we're using our brains for good because of the coronavirus. Okay, so you are, if, if anybody watched our For Your Eyes Only videos, I wonder how similar they were. <gasps> Because I have some idea, some of some of the ideas that I want to talk about um, with you for the, the other show are also related to those same type of topics. So I'm interested to see if we went in the same direction. Oh my gosh, how fun would it be if we did? Well, and how bad the next episode is going to be if we did? But hopefully, oh it's no, fine. Yeah. we're, we're total professionals. We'll make it work. We will always make it work, always. But now I'm glad I went first. Well, so yeah, I mean, I do think that we are. 
Well, I don't know that I think this. I hope that we are um, aware enough to be able to step back a little bit and look around at the fact that we are living in a historic yes. moment. You know, and that we are are living through something that is going to be in, in history books. Right. You know, and, and I, I, I hope it has a happy ending. Yeah. But I do have this sense that we are in something big right now. I totally agree. And I think that it absolutely, we have the emotional intelligence to make this a growth moment if we really want to. Yes. And not be the plot line of idiocracy. I hope. Let's hope. Well, um, something intelligent that I watched. I watched um, Angela Merkel uh, deliver mm. a speech um, to Germany. First of all, I can tell that my family is German. There's German like living in my brain. I could understand like 40% of what she was saying. <laughs> I think that the Germans, like when you watch the speech, their pattern and their cadence is similar to English more so than like... The reason I get tripped up in Spanish, I put accents in the wrong places. I put it's the wrong syllable. It's the wrong emphasis, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I hear it, it, it doesn't flow like English. You put the wrong emphasis on the syllable. I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why I had to do like a country voice for that, but <laughs> I, do. I do. I, I do, do absolutely that. do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why country voice seemed appropriate there. But um, she was just so calm and cool. And I was watching her and... I don't really know that much about her. Like, she's not my leader of my country, so I don't I haven't really paid attention. Mm-hmm. But we're getting more global and yeah. we're paying mm-hmm. a little bit better attention. I thought that um, it, it made me start to think about we're hearing from all of our political leaders. Mm-hmm. And it made me start to be like, is this how it's always been? So that's where that historical kind of piece came in. I was like... Why aren't doctors talking to us as much right now? Like, why aren't they doing the press conferences and the scientists and stuff? Okay, it's our political leaders. Has it always been our political leaders? What happened in the plague? What happened? Like, were there political leaders in the plague? Like, suddenly I had a million questions because mm-hmm. I am a person who just has a million questions, right? I'm a, I'm a ponderer. So I started thinking about all that kind of stuff. Um, and and I then I started thinking about statistics mm-hmm. and, you know, history and I started thinking about when we read those history books, we're always reading those numbers, and that, but we're not reading people's stories and their feelings mm-hmm. and whatnot. And we have a unique opportunity right here. Like you said, we're living through mm-hmm. something really big. And, you know, it's an opportunity for us to, un- like, I want to try to understand. Suddenly history is a lot more interesting. Are there accounts of people's feelings through these big moments and these big things? You know, um, I mean, this isn't like a physical war but it made me think like what were people doing in world war Two? like i wanted to learn more about rationing i wanted to learn more about a lot of different things that you know have suddenly become that's why i love to read diaries and letters mm-hmm. of historic times you know and uh, i think the very first one that i ever read was anne frank's diary you know and and that was i mean that was huge for me as a kid to have the personal insight of somebody who was going through that experience as a child. Yeah. And I want my kids to keep a journal during 
this time. Oh, that's neat. You know, because I've also recently been really enjoying my grandmother's diary. From yeah, when she was talked a, about yeah. that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then um, the last time that I went to my parents' house, I also was um, given a stack of letters from my grandfather to my grandmother when they were in college. Oh, And so I'm reading those also. That's so sweet. Yeah, and I'm really getting into it. And I have kept a journal off and on. Mm-hmm. Um, never as like a diary of my life, more of like um, goal setting and like kind of like a bullet journal, kind of like a task type thing. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I have decided that I really would like to start to chronicle my life because I'm enjoying reading about their lives. And, you know, you never know. Somebody might enjoy reading about mine someday. Well, you know, I'm writing a freaking memoir. Right. I don't think, I don't know if I'll end up with a memoir. Uh, but my life was wild before the coronavirus Mine came is just starting it, to get you know? wild. Yeah, just, <laughs> just gearing up. You never know what's ahead. You might have a memoir in you. I want to tell you a couple of the things that I've been pondering mm-hmm. as, as a ponderer in the yeah. last days where we've had plenty of time to ponder. <laughs> like what? I started thinking about... Okay, this is just something I was thinking about. This isn't like my stance or my opinion or anything. It's just something I was thinking about. I was thinking about... Just pondering. Yeah, just Just wonder. Just wondering. I was thinking about some research I read a few years ago about um, allergies Mm -hmm. in children and that inner city kids who, like, learn to crawl and walk and whatnot and there's cockroaches. Right. Um... And, like, country kids who mm-hmm. are around a lot of animals and stuff, mm-hmm. that they build better immunity mm-hmm. than, like, super clean, you know, hand sanitizer right. households. And I started wondering, are we weakening our immunity right now? I've wondered that, too, with all of the hand sanitizer. You know, I like, I've got, I've got um, hand sanitizer sitting right next to me. You do. You know, and I sprayed everything, you know, before I sat down. I, I mm-hmm. cleaned this entire area that I'm in, um, you know, and I have been washing my hands a lot more, but I really wash my hands with soap and water because I've always been taught that hand sanitizer kills the good bacteria too. Oh. And I don't want to... I feel like that, like if you kill the good bacteria, then you are weakening your immune system because you need those. Now, I would like, I'll put this in italics. I am not a doctor. Right. But. Me neither. That's why I'm saying I'm just a ponderer. <laughs> I'm not saying this is my position on anything. But we I'm wonder just it. thoughtful. I'm just wondering. Well, you know, like I, you would see those memes that came um, when we first started hearing about the coronavirus. People saying like, if you drank from the hose as a kid, you're immune to the coronavirus, you know. If, yeah. Well, like mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it's the same kind of thing. Like if you crawled around on the floor with a bunch of, you know, germs, then you built up an immunity to it. In theory. In theory. Yeah. I don't know. I just think that's interesting. I mean, I'm not saying don't like social distance or don't use it or anything. I'm just just wondering. I was thinking about the Mythbusters thing where mm-hmm. they were showing like being at a distance is good. You know, it allows, you know, if you sneeze, it only goes so far. You right. Know? Um, dissipates in the air. But I don't know. I was just I, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking, I guess it's pro- I would assume that temporarily it's not a big deal but if it goes on for a long long time i wonder if we start to compromise our immune systems i have wondered kind of the same things about 
and I think that it really is going to end up being how long it goes on mm-hmm. that we are doing this ultra sanitizing, you know, because of the same reason. Mm-hmm. And that if we're thinking about a, a period of a few months, then I don't know that it would make that big of a difference. But if it becomes our lifestyle where we are constantly sanitizing our environments, then it does seem like we would be eliminating the opportunity to become immune to other bacteria and ultimately make us weaker. But I'd have to ask a doctor if that's if my line of thinking is is in line with science. Well, that kind of leads me to something else that I was pondering. It kind of came from idiocracy from watching that. I was pondering this idea that, you know, we have no natural predators. Right. Like, there's like we're the top of the food chain, right? Yeah. But not anymore. the teeny, teeny, tiny little things, the teeniest little ones, they are our predators. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about like right now we're in this and we're all emotional about it because it's, it's our thing. But if we were looking at this, if it was something that happened 300 years ago, right? right. If we were like looking at this as historians, I would be like, well, there's no basketball right now, but like. If there was basketball, mm-hmm. the Golden State Warriors are the best team in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to argue with me on that because that's just true. The Golden oh. State Warriors are the best I'm, team. I'm accepting that as fact because I, I have yeah. no basis to argue with you. <laughs> Were we to add LeBron James to the Golden State Warriors, no one else would ever win at basketball. Like They would be the top of the food chain. They would be the absolute best thing. But someday, at some point, something has to come along. And the Golden State Warriors can't win the championship every year. And the human race maybe can't win the championship all the time. And uh, we're kind of like losing the championship right now. And uh, it's if you're going into the direction of natural selection, yes, that has absolutely crossed my mind. Because I wonder if I'm in the group of people that aren't going to make it. Right. I, we had this show, remember we had this show where we talk, talked about living forever, mm-hmm. and I said that our generation should not get to be that group? Like, I really don't like that we're going to select out some of our older people. Um, our older people really bring some wisdom to this, to this <laughs> uh, environment. I, it, that could move us a lot closer to idiocracy, I'm afraid. Um, I'm not saying young people are not bright. We have very, very bright young people. But I am saying, yeah, what what are we selecting for or against? We, we don't know what this organism is. You know, like what's going what's going to do to our race? Well, we don't know what it's going to do to the human race. You know, and and I think it's of course it takes a long, long time before any statistical data is anything worth worth built. You know, drawing conclusions from. So you know, social scientists are going to be spending a long time looking mm-hmm. at you know the hit that this takes to different populations and different demographics. But I know just from my own reading that you know the same as as everybody else has heard. It's people with underlying health conditions that are that are dying from it on the whole. And or it seems like people in the medical profession who have been repeatedly exposed because they are treating people every single day. Yeah. And I don't know. I just feel like obviously being a part of this and I don't want to lose anybody that I love and anybody that I know and, you know, and all of that but we don't have any natural predators and we something has to at some point thin the herd right 
maybe that's happening now. Exactly. And like if we were looking back at this historically, all I'm saying is we wouldn't be like upset about this. Like we don't look back at the plague. We're like a lot of people died in the plague and that sucks. We you didn't know, know but, them. But yeah, but we didn't know them. But we know people now. We didn't know them. So yeah. And I mean, I it, we didn't know them. Oh, I, I love you. <laughs> it's different when it's somebody you know. It is. I think that it's it's always easier to marginalize a group of people when you don't know them. Mm-hmm. I mean, if look at you know any group of um, of people that have been neglected or abused over time. When you hear their story and you have a personal connection with somebody, suddenly that perspective changes, you mm-hmm. know, especially, you know, just to look at something more recent, gay marriage. You know, I think that if you don't know anybody who is in a same-sex relationship, you've never experienced anybody's relationship in that way, and then you it would be very easy to just have one idea of this is how it is, and this is how life is, and anybody who doesn't fit into this is wrong. But then if you get to know people who are living in circumstances that you could not have imagined and you see the normalcy of that life mm-hmm. <coughs> and you change that perspective, you get new information that changes your perspective, then suddenly you do care. And keeping those people ostracized from society is not something you can get on board with anymore because now it's different. Right. Now they're your friends. Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't know the people who died in previous plagues. And so it's easy to have them be numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about, that statistics versus, you know, the feelings and like really wanting to, to understand that better. Well, it's fun that you um, came back into uh, like all of it linked r- really roughly to idiocracy. Mm-hmm. We talked about we talked about their stance on uh, on gays and they also talked about the, the girls putting out and whatever. And that kind of took me into brought me back to that Ted Bundy thing, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and watching all those women for everything that we, you know, that they fought for that I think is totally normal. Right. Like, we take for granted. Yeah, that I totally, as a female, take 100% for granted. And it kind of brought me into my grab bag for today. Okay. Very, very roundabout way to get there. Okay. But, um, my grab bag for today, look, I'm not complaining. We're in the middle of a quarantine, and we don't need to be going places anyways. Mm-hmm. But I was making an observation yesterday when I was at the hardware store. Mm-hmm. And Friday night... When I picked up my dinner from the golf course, I was making an observation that more boy stuff remained open and marked as essential than girl stuff, it seemed. And I'm not saying that golf courses and hardware stores are exclusively boy things, but I am saying that the lean is there, perhaps, um, toward more boy things being marked essential than girl things. Like, And then I thought about this because I pulled up to the Home Depot. And there's a Bell's Outlet right next door. Mm-hmm. And I thought, don't people still need clothes? Like, I get it that you might need plumbing stuff. But what your, kid, your kids are still growing and stuff. So are you saying there's a sexual bias in what businesses are open versus I, closed? I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying, I mean, I don't know. It's just an observation that I made. Why is the girl stuff less deemed essential than? That's interesting. I had not like. Why put is that the golf together. course fine, 
but like were there people playing golf oh my gosh yeah the golf courses are like full the golf courses are off off the chain because that's considered a like you can stay socially distanced or whatever golf is like more popular right now in florida than ever i don't know if you can get a tea time really yeah at our club oh yeah that's really frustrating. But you can't go to a spin class. I mean, and I'm not saying you should be able to go to a spin class. I'm not I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I feel like, I don't know. It's a... That's interesting. I had not looked at it from that perspective. Yeah. Well, and I also haven't gone anywhere. Like, the only places that I've gone are here to the studio and to church. Um, I went to the hardware store yesterday, and I stayed far away from everybody, but it is starting to almost feel like you shouldn't go anywhere. Like, you shouldn't be outside on a trail. You shouldn't be, you know, like, and and I don't know. Like, I feel like if I'm staying six feet away from people, I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not doing enough. I you know? really think that, for me, it's the letter of the law versus the intent of the law. And I think that right now the intent of the law is stay away from other right. people. Right, me too. And that, and I'm trying to do my very best to do that. Yeah, I'm with you right now. We um, are probably about six feet away. Well, and maybe, and maybe five, but pretty, we, we got some distance. I'm very cognizant of what I've touched, and I've sanitized everything that I've touched. Thank you for leaning away when you had to cough for a second. I did. And it wasn't because direction. of the coronavirus. I just had something in my throat. Um, but I think that we are we are getting too specific about the six feet. And the five people and the whatever, like uh, the numbers on it, I know help us to quantify whether or not we're complying. Mm-hmm. But I think that really what we're being asked to do is limit contact with each other and mm-hmm. to only go out for specific things. And I'm part of the effort that is live streaming um, worship at my church. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm going on Sunday to do that. I touch as few things as possible and yeah. and i'm very cognizant of that i came here today to record the show mm-hmm. i've touched as few things as possible and i'm very aware of, of where i'm where i am mm-hmm. other than that i'm home and yeah. i'm not going anywhere i mean i'm i'm running in my neighborhood but i'm not coming in contact with any other people but my family well and that's what i'm like i'm in my neighborhood so yeah. when i went to the golf course i wasn't you know just out like you know hanging you know but i went to get food at my and the amount of people who were there surprised me it right surprised me i i get surprised my husband you know he has to go out because um he still have been having to go up and and work Mm -hmm. um and and so he goes to the store and he gets our groceries and stuff like that and when he comes home you know i clean all of that and you know i spray everything and yeah it might be overkill but i'm i'm airing on I guess I'm using an abundance of caution. Yeah. Um, because I, you know, I have a, I have a lung, an underlying lung condition. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. you know, I would, I would rather be safe than sorry. And you know that I'm, like I've told you at least 10 times in the last week, how mindful I am being around you. Like I start thinking through who have I seen? Who have I been around? Where have I been? You know, because being a single person, I mean, I come into contact with a few people, you know, I come into contact occasionally, well, obviously with my children, who they go back and forth to their dad's house still, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So, like, and a lot of, I've, I've actually been seeing a lot of things pop up on Facebook and whatnot about how our family's doing this, you know, right. about how our family's going to continue to 
quarantine and be safe. And, you know, like, and we talked about it a yeah. little bit on, on the last the episode, too. Yeah, with the kids switch. And, you know, I see a couple of different guys that I see once in a while, you know, and it's just become like I only have seen like three or four people, you know, um, and I and I have stayed fairly socially distanced from I mean, not the guys I see, but, you know, <laughs> well, yeah, I think that it is starting a new category of social shaming, yeah. you know, and social mm-hmm. taboos, mm-hmm. Um, because I know that, you know, I when I'm in, in my patio and I see cars drive by and I see that there's like four people in the car I think I before this I never would have paid attention to how many people were in a car Mm -hmm. but now I see that and I think oh wow that's they're kind of in close quarters there's a lot of people in that car why do they need to be together like that and I just hear myself making those judgments and I know that it's coming from a place of fear and Mm self-protection because if I think about this experience from a perspective of natural selection and I think about my compromised lung capacity um, I I wonder am I in the category of people that aren't gonna make it you know like am I in the category of people that aren't gonna make it you know when you think about survival of the fittest am I am I one of the fittest yeah I don't know well um I think it's important to tell our people that, you know, like, your mental health is of mm-hmm. utmost critical, you know, importance right now and trying to keep that up and trying to keep your anxiety in check. And, and um, I have heard, I guess, first-person accounts of a few people with diagnosis now, and that raises my anxiety, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, I – a friend of a friend – so I've met this other girl – I know that she lives in New York City. She tested positive for COVID-19. She's 24 years old, very fit, very healthy. And she was down and out in her bed for like eight days, like couldn't couldn't get up, couldn't, you know, function. And that produces a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear. You know, that somebody so young and healthy, you know, went down so hard. And she's recovering? She is recovering from from what I've been told. But um yeah, I mean, it it does. It really makes you 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 think. And I guess like, I don't want to end the show on like a sad note or anything, but we can't tell people it's all going to be okay. You know, we 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 can't say that. But we 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 can say like, I, I guess the best thing to say is you know, follow the rules the best that we can and take care of your mental health. You know, like for me, I struggle a lot with not being able to be helpful mm-hmm. with not being able to, you know, be a problem solver in this. And I think it's really important to keep the perspective that by staying out of the way, by, you know, helping flatten the curve, you are being helpful. Um, you know, so stay home, ponder weird things, <laughs> maybe call a mental health counselor <laughs> and be a part of making history. That's all that we can really say, right? We can never say that anything's going to be okay. You know, we never know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now we're being faced with something that feels very urgent and scary. But we also have the knowledge that, you know, we could die in a car crash on the way to the grocery store. Right. You know? mm-hmm. Your next moments are never guaranteed. Mm-hmm. You know, right now they feel closer than, you know, than they have before. But, you know, I think that we can never say 
everything's going to be okay. But And then at, on the flip side, we can always know that we are going to be okay. Right. We mm-hmm. have the skills to adapt and, and be resilient in so many circumstances that we haven't even given ourselves the chance to prove yet. Right. And so even though we can't predict the future and what's going to happen with this, we can continue to live in the moment, make the best choices that we can, and we will be okay. You know, I love it when you get on your positivity high horse. <laughs> it makes me really happy. It makes I can't me really not. happy. Well, it's great. I posted on my um, on my Healthy Heather page um, a plea last week when I was really feeling vulnerable. You know, when I started putting together the pieces of of it being a respiratory infection mm-hmm. and knowing what that could potentially mean for me. Mm -hmm. I really felt like, guys, if this is not a wake-up call for us to take care of our health collectively as a human race, Mm -hmm. when I think about the number of obesity and lifestyle-related illnesses that we spend our time on, that we could prevent and avoid, um, you know, we're, we're dealing with something right now that we can't really prevent or, or, and it's very difficult to avoid. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that this is, for some, a wake-up call of I could lower my risk factor of dying of the coronavirus by taking care of myself through exercise, healthy eating, good sleep, stress management, all the things that we're supposed to be doing all this time anyway. Mm-hmm. And I really, really hope that more of us start taking those opportunities well, I'm going to end us on the happiest note that I can. I'm going to lift us up a little bit. I saw a great meme this morning yeah. on my way here. It said, my mama said I was never going to amount to anything laying around on my couch. <laughs> and look at me here saving the world. Saving the world. Saving the world. So keep saving the world, friends. Um, go on and talk to us about um, the movie Idiocracy. <laughs> if you haven't watched it, you've got plenty of time to do it now. Plenty of time. Um Talk to us about your mental health and <laughs> how you're managing that. Hopefully you're managing it well. Give us some tips because we, we need help. If you're brave, uh, watch that Ted Bundy thing. Um, yeah, I, I, the reason it sucked me in is the Tallahassee yeah. piece of it. You know, mm-hmm. I just really wanted to see it. So um, ponder, ponder all the things and, mm-hmm. and make history, friends. Um, and we will talk with you again soon. Until next time. Bye. Deep voice guy, how'd we do? I think you ladies did absolutely fabulous. And for those of you looking to increase your dosage, make sure to connect with The Chrissy and Heather Show on Facebook and Instagram.